0: Okay, welcome. I'm Kevin Griffin, and this is the Dharma and Recovery group, of which I am the founder. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I say that, except that sometimes there's other teachers here who fill in for me, so I'm the real, real thing. (laughs) Except no substitutes. Well, except substitutes, actually. (laughs) Okay, I knew I was going to have trouble tonight. (laughs) Didn't think it was going to start with the first sentence, but... I, uh, it's been a busy week, to say the least, uh, in Lake Wobegon, and um, and I have a cold, a nasty, nasty cold. My daughter is uh, working as a counselor in training for a day camp in Berkeley, and she's got the five-year-olds. So I've got the five-year-olds cold, thank you. So I might let you guys just meditate on your own. Uh, that was a joke, actually, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> But I might be sucking on a cough drop. <clears throat> One of the you know, things I actually encourage people when they're, if they have to cough during a meditation, not to not to leave. Sometimes people kind of will get up and leave the room. I, I mean, if if you're coughing and you you really need to get some water or something. Yeah, but but um, sometimes people feel self-conscious as though, well, I'm coughing. i mean going to disturb everybody's meditation. Um, And, you know, the spirit of mindfulness meditation is that we're going to be present with whatever's happening. So if we're hearing somebody cough, we can just notice the sound, and we can notice our reaction to it. We can notice that we find it annoying that someone else is suffering in our presence. And (laughs) sort of notice the irony of that, and wasn't I supposed to be developing compassion through this practice? So, uh, So I think it's great when people cough and cause all that trouble. You know, there was that famous story about Gurdjieff and his his community, I think, in Paris, where they, there was one, you're familiar with Gurdjieff, well, anyway, it doesn't matter, he was you know, a spiritual teacher of the early 20th century, I think. Anyway, he had this spiritual community of some sort, and and uh, there was one person who just really bothered everybody there, who was really irritating to everyone, and, and uh, th- at a certain point, that person... Got pissed off and left, uh, and uh, and Gurdjieff went after the person and brought and said, you know, "If you'll come back, I'll pay you to come back," <laughs> because you know it, he, he was the the uh, irritant that got everybody. Uh, to face their stuff, to see their stuff. I mean, it's great, you know, it's lovely to be quiet and peaceful and spiritual and everything, but it's easy to be spiritual when there's no conflicts or tension, or, you know, when you're on a retreat or you know, you're know you out in the woods. That's easy. You know, it's, it's real life that's hard to be spiritual. Um, so, so, I'll be coughing. Um, if not, maybe I'll just leave the microphone on while I'm sucking on my cough drop. That that could be annoying enough in itself. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard, ta-da, I'm releasing a CD of music this week. I'm becoming a global brand, actually, and I'm thinking about buying the New York Times <laughs> so that I can... Oh, no, that's the Washington Post and Jeff Bezos. Sure. Yeah, that, uh, oh, yes. well, <laughs> it's... Laughing Buddha, that's the name of the CD, thank you. Uh, and, uh, and I'm doing, uh, having a party tomorrow night in Berkeley, please come. Uh, there's no charge to come, in fact we're going to be raising money, off, just asking for donations to support uh, the Girls' Scholarship Fund for a, uh, a school in uh, Nepal that serves the poorest of the poor, also known as the untouchables. Um, so that that 's going to be kind of cool i 'm very excited to perform and i 'm really happy that it can be for a good cause um, i 've been working on the CD for several years through many challenges and uh, most artistic endeavors uh, and um, you know it 's different from writing a book and it has it 's of different value you know uh, uh, Its purpose is uh, more more direct and uh, kind of uh, visceral, I think, uh, just to connect. Uh, all the, what time is your party? Oh, the party is at 7.30. Thank you. Yeah, at Yoga Kula, 1700 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley. The, there are <clears throat> posters and things back there telling you the address and everything. Um, Max said something rather funny last time when we were listening to my I was playing some of my tracks here and he said something for like for such a negative person you write very happy music or something <laughs> like that <laughs> uh, so I I've been writing songs since I was 19 and uh, I didn't start writing happy songs <laughs> until I was about 50, you know, so uh, I finally figured out that actually I could, you know, do something more positive than just like wallow in my depression through my music, which was what I always thought the point of it was.
1: Your hair's not dark enough and you need
0: some more tattoos. Uh, uh-huh, right, I should, I should dye my hair black and yeah. uh, get some... Some eye makeup Uh-huh, <laughs> goth, exactly. yeah. So the music is uh, very upbeat, a lot of rhythms. Hopefully, I like people to dance when I play, so hopefully people will. And, um, and all of the songs have kind of Buddhist themes, some of them more serious than others. Um, anyway, I do not want to go on and on about that. Um, so it might be nice to meditate. We ordinarily start the evening here with about a half an hour of meditation, and then some time for questions about meditation. Then a little break to socialize and relax, and then uh, I'll be giving some sort of talk. And tonight being uh, the eighth month of the year, I'll be talking about the eighth step, uh, which if you don't know it, uh, I'll tell you what it is later. (laughs) For now, you can build the suspense until then. So let's begin by just uh, settling into a comfortable meditation posture. And you can close your eyes, or if you prefer to meditate with your eyes open, just lower your gaze. Usually when I close my eyes, I immediately have a different sense of my body, of my surroundings. Because the visual sense is so dominant when we turn it off, the other senses can come more into the foreground of our awareness. You might just notice how your body feels right now. Did you bring any stress with you tonight? Fatigue, restlessness, tension, or something positive. Maybe you're feeling relaxed, bright. So just checking in with your body and acknowledging the truth of how you feel right now and if there is any tension just trying to relax those tight spots in the body you might take some deep breaths and kind of release tension You can let in sound as well. It's a very quiet place, and yet, if you listen closely, you'll hear something. You might be able to hear the inner sound in your ears. Most people can hear a little buzzing or ringing can actually be used as a meditation object. to your mood what kind of emotional energy you've brought with you tonight or maybe you didn't bring it with you maybe it just is appearing now we can get the idea that meditation is some separate, specialized activity that has nothing to do with the rest of our lives. But the truth is that whatever our physical and mental state, when we enter into a period of meditation, is going to be reflected in our experience in meditation. So I think it's helpful to just acknowledge that. It's a kind of magical thinking to believe that we can just start to pay attention to the breath and all our problems will disappear or we'll suddenly be happy even if we're depressed or we'll suddenly feel relaxed even though we're stressed out. Certainly our practice can help us to become more relaxed and to brighten our mood. But that's a process. That's something we can turn on and turn off like a drug. And mindfulness is about starting where we are. Hopefully we don't end there. But it's important to Acknowledge a starting point. See what you're working with. So now start to bring your attention to the sensations of breath. You can follow the breath either at the nostrils where the air comes in and out that touch sensation, the movement of air, or else feeling the movement of the belly, rising and falling. tension very close into the breath, become intimate with those sensations. You might make a soft mental note in, out, if you're following the breath at the nostrils, or rising, falling, if you're following the breath at the belly. Being with the simple experience of breath. In a sense, we're Deconstructing our experience, starting with the most basic elements. Seeing how so much of our perception of the world is created by our thoughts, that much of what we think is happening is just happening in our minds. What's really happening is that we're sitting here, breathing and thinking, but essentially just being. it's natural that our mind will wander as we try to pay attention to the breath noticing this and coming back to the breath is an integral part of the process it's not a mistake or a failure when the mind wanders one of the most valuable things we can do is start to become aware of our thoughts. We can start to see the ways that we talk to ourselves, the things that we say to ourselves, and the judgments and fears the memories and plans seeing the contents of our mind is one of the valuable first steps in mindfulness meditation But even seeing the contents of our mind can be disturbing. So we think, I should learn to stop thinking. Maybe if I can just concentrate enough, I won't be thinking. Maybe. Whether that's true or not, Mindfulness practice suggests that we should notice that thought and that wish and see how it's causing us suffering, our lack of acceptance of our own minds, of our own thoughts, of our own feelings. So we start with acceptance. That's not the end of our practice, we don't have to allow our thoughts to control us or even necessarily run free. But it turns out that accepting our thoughts is actually a better way to control them than trying to stop them. We'll see if that's true for you. One of the things to notice as a meditation period stretches on is just how your experience and your reaction, your feelings, all change. Sometimes we have a sense of settling in and getting more quiet. And other times we can sort of hit a wall or we become become restless just feel like we're done, just waiting for the bell to ring. Our practice is to show up, moment by moment, for whatever is, with awareness and acceptance, with wisdom and compassion, for ourselves and all beings. I'd like to uh, open it up for questions, if there are any. Uh, the folks in the back are welcome to come on up front. Any questions about meditation practice or about the instructions or any difficulties or confusion you might have in your own practice or anything that happened tonight? If you don't ask me a question, I won't have anything to talk about, (laughs) although I could probably make something up. Yeah, true. Yes? Oh, you're raising your hand? Oh, good. You want to give him the microphone? Very good. I'm not sure if this is appropriate. If it's not, you'll stop me. <coughs> okay. um, as long as it's not I, about I've your sex share- life, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, as long as worried. it's not about your sex life, I said it should be fine. What sex
1: life? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I've, I've been sharing some of my Buddhist study, learnings, teachings with in, in my AA meetings. Oh. And I'm getting a little grief on that. Yes. <laughs> you have some wisdom. I'm well, sure. you know, the, the preamble to the traditional AA meeting says we are not affiliated with any sect, denomination, organization, or institution. And I believe what they meant by that was we're not affiliated with any particular brand of Protestantism. <laughs> I mean, that's why they sect you know, a, a, a sect of Protestantism. I think that's what they were thinking of at the time. I mean, I'm just guessing. I I don't know. But uh, the implication, of course, is that you're not really supposed to talk about a particular religion, at least that's how I understand it. And, and I don't find it particularly appealing when others of other persuasions start to tout their own brand and the uh, redemption that is available if we would just, you know take their Savior as our Savior so I can uh, respect people's wish uh, also to not hear my uh, you know my beliefs in that regard I, I think there's a lot we can say without getting Buddhist about it and and, uh, and there's a great uh, I'm not sure where this comes from it might be from Sansonim but there was a line about someone saying that they had trouble well, uh, sharing about about their Buddhist practice with their family and this teacher said when you're with your family be a Buddha not a Buddhist I think that's good advice all the time but it's something to do in a in a meeting too. you know be a Buddha but not a Buddhist right. and certainly awareness and mindfulness and things like that compassion there's a lot of words that we associate with Buddhism that aren't religious and that aren't Buddhist either uh, so I think if you just sort of are careful with your language uh, you can sh- share the essence without having to get uh, break any traditions that's my wisdom such as it is yes
1: um, I don't have a question but I had an observation
0: Do you have an answer um. that'd be good <laughs> Your voice is pretty strong, but no, use the microphone, because it's going (laughs) to be, it's just part of my global brand, so we're going out.
1: (laughs) So I'm a very occasional meditator, and not a very good one. And Uh what I noticed this evening that was interesting to me was that I relaxed, and how extraordinarily rare that is. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably the main thing that happens to me when I'm meditating in the morning. I I usually that's when I realize, oh, yeah, because it, really it's only when you get re- when you relax that you realize that you weren't relaxed, right? I mean, kind of maybe other times you do, but that's kind of like, oh, right, that's why I'm doing this, rather than thinking that there's some lofty goal or some insider wisdom that's supposed to come. It's like, oh. What a relief! And it, it's so interesting to me that just by sitting still with my eyes closed for a while, that kind of happens. I don't, I don't, ha- I can space, be spacing out, you know, and coming back and spacing out, uh, and it can seem like, you know, mentally I'm not meditating, but it it goes into the body. So I'm sure there's an explanation from that we could get from one of the wise people who study these things, but. It's, who cares, you know, why? It works, you know, keep coming back. It works, you know, if you work it. So that's, those words are very applicable to this practice. Good, thank you for sharing that. Me too. Hi. Hi. I was wondering if you could talk about the lessons to be learned from just sitting still from not improving, correcting the Mm -hmm. posture stopping the thoughts Um, just reminders about why we don't keep correcting ourselves during a sit Um, well one of my themes over the last few months has been the practice of doing nothing and that when we sit and do nothing, we, um, we're training ourselves to be less reactive. And so it's in the, in the um, obvious external way, we're sitting still and not doing anything, even though a thought comes up that would ordinarily cause an, an action kind of there's the impulse so when we do nothing we're training ourselves to be less susceptible to the impulses our mental and emotional impulses which of course is one of the main tools of recovery if you're going to uh, stop uh, being an addict stop it means stopping reacting to impulse so you know somewhat obviously it's progress, not perfection, and all that. But um, I really think that's one of the most valuable things. And, um, you know, even just noticing a thought and not doing anything with it, even internally. You know, when we can notice a thought and go, Oh, I'm having that thought and coming back to the breath. That is, That's the internal way that we're not... Doing. You know, we're not sort of expanding on and proliferating on the thoughts. And it also means that rather we're taking a stance of observing. So not that we're going to notice every thought and every impulse that comes, but, but each time we do notice the thought we're having or the impulse we're having, we learn something. You know, we get some information. Oh, I'm having that thought. And a lot of times you know you'll have thoughts where you're like, "Wow, that's why am I thinking that?" Or ooh, that's kind of, you know, we can kind of question our judgments, our opinions, you know, all of that. You know there's the, the uh, verses of the faith mind of one of the great Zen teachings talks about, uh, how poisonous opinions and judgments are. The burdensome practice of judging, it says. The burdensome practice of judging. And, and we see that if we observe, if we, if we don't do, if we don't act on, it, don't follow things, we rather look at, oh, there's that thought. How does that feel? To me, that's one of the essential questions in practice. How does, the, how does that feel? When I see that thoughts, that many of my thoughts trigger some kind of discomfort, sometimes physical, sometimes emotional, sometimes just mental. Then I see the truth of the Buddha's teachings, that clinging causes suffering. And, and, I, and I'm motivated then to let go and to transform the way I uh, relate to my thoughts. You know, I can't necessarily turn them off or stop them from coming, but As much as I can see them, I can kind of go, oh, thank you for sharing, you know. (laughs) Now let's let go of that. Rather than going, yeah, right, I hate that person's really a pain in the ass, blah, blah, blah. And and, and the way that we do ordinarily. So the practice of doing nothing and seeing uh, what's there is invaluable. Which is a funny word, isn't it? Invaluable. Anyway, it's like it's not valuable. It is valuable. It's beyond value. Yes.
1: Um, I would would just include that um, your your
0: your body is adjusting to
1: your breath, and you're doing nothing at all. But your body is uh, naturally letting go of whatever it is that you're holding in.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, right, and when you said, "Oh, not doing anything with your body," I actually do things with my body when I'm meditating. I mean, a lot of times, just as you're saying, there's things that just happen, to, you know, you, you start out, okay, I've got my good posture, and then later, you know, at some point you kind of realize, from, I often realize that I'm slumping, because that's my habit, is to kind of slump, but, um, you know, or you might notice that you're kind of getting rigid, and and I think it's wise to, you know, there, there's different approaches. I won't say it's wise. There, there, you can take the approach of absolute stillness, which is a really powerful practice to just not try to change your posture at all or make any adjustments. Um, but then sometimes I find it helpful if I'm if I am slumping to you know, very slowly use my breath to kind of bring myself back up. And also when I most of the time, when when I realize I'm having a thought, I usually notice that there's some like my belly is kind of tight or my breath has gotten shallow, and I will kind of take a breath and relax again. So, um, so I, you know, you can you can experiment with those different approaches. Whether you want to sort of take that kind of absolute stillness or kind of work, let the Let the meditation kind of express itself a little bit in your body. Yes? Max. Hi,
1: I'm Max. Hey, Max. Um, To the Max. (laughs) I was just reflecting on, um, like, tonight I was, when I was sitting, I was just sort of, I was settling into my body, and that felt, you know, comfortable and kind of like coming back home and just being quiet and feeling peaceful and sort of safe in in there, but just noticing the subtleties of the things going on in my body, but kind of less connected to noticing my mind. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of wondered what you could say about that, like the balance between, you know, what the Buddha taught about, you know, sensing into the body, and then it just kind of feels like I'm trying to connect those two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I um,
0: I'm not sure I'm going to answer your question, but I think mm-hmm. I think what you're asking about is for me, my practice is more about feeling than it is about noticing thoughts. There's, there's some, there's definitely when there's obvious thoughts and you know big noisy or Nasties in there that have to be acknowledged. Yeah, but even those they express themselves in my body, and you know I talk about this in one breath at a time. Jack Cornfield telling me your practice is to feel, and so I I believe that most of the time what I do in my meditation. <laughs> it's strange, but this is I. I'm not sure what I do most of the time in my meditation, but I believe that what I mostly do is that I'm kind of aware of this. Not this T-shirt, not this lovely, you know, $15, no, $25, anyway, uh, available at my party. This
1: is Kevin trying to market, and it's Uh, good. Global
0: marketing, branding myself. But feeling my belly, my chest, my heart center, and I sit with that a lot. That's kind of, because... If I get too much, even observing my thoughts sometimes gets me more thinking. You know, thinking about my thinking, right? And so, if I stay kind of from here down in my body, I'm just feeling, and then I'm actually feeling my thoughts rather than even thinking about them or observing them. Just feeling, because that it, it what seems to happen for me is that stuff seems to bubble up from here into my head, and so. If I can just watch it here, it kind of cuts it off. It doesn't have the same... If I'm always trying to let go of the thoughts, a lot of times I don't realize that they're actually originating down here. Is that what you're asking, or is that just something completely different?
1: That's related to what I'm asking, but I'm a little lost Like in the part you were talking about, about a feeling, if you have that feeling down here, but you signal below your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I'm, I'm not always conscious of that, and that seems like what you're saying is you develop that through yeah. paying attention to what's going on inside.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, when Jack said that to me, which was on a three-month retreat in 1981, so it's, it goes back, it was my early practice, I I didn't know what he meant, and I had to, uh, you know, but I had a lot of time to figure it out because I was on a three-month <laughs> retreat and you know, nothing else to do. So I just started uh, trying to ask myself, my mantra became, what am I feeling? And I, I realized, you know, I had always thought of myself as a very emotional person, but I realized in that question that although maybe I'd had a lot of emotions, I didn't really have any sense of what they felt like, you know, any direct sense. I, I had this... Uh, you know these thoughts about them and verbalizations about them and I would I would say I was having these feelings but I but that was mostly happening above the neck it and I and so I just I just started to feel and feel and feel and not even try to worry about what it was called you know it's just it's just it's just feeling and breathe feel oh and and it's kind of like just energetic and um and it has a natural, uh, feeling feelings uh, naturally, like noticing thoughts, naturally diffuses them. You know, you kind of feel it, and unless it's something, some big story with it, it kind of like, you feel it, you feel it, and it just kind of has its little life, and and it just kind of fades, and, and uh, I, they seem to be less of a problem, but it was just like trying to keep paying attention to discover what feelings were for myself. Well, have I still not answered the question. You have to do it for yourself.
1: You, you did answer you related it to what I'm experiencing. I think it's just practicing like that. Practi- practicing yeah. So, yeah it is practicing. I think, I think a lot of, you know, addict-type people, or my experience is there's just a lot of unconsciousness that's in there, you yeah. know, and it's just, okay, <laughs> that's part of what's going on. So, you know, it's like coming back to, oh, wait, th- this is the feeling inside of me that is driving an impulse to, you know, do what we do.
0: You know, my wife has to tell me when I'm hungry a lot of times, <laughs> you know, I think you're hungry, I think you should eat something. Because, like, you know, I'm acting cranky. And I, and I just think, like, things are just very annoying right now. <laughs> you know, and they should change. You know? Why is everybody being so annoying? You know? Uh, yeah, and I think that uh, obviously there's a, you know, a problem for addicts And emotions, why else would we be getting loaded all the time? We didn't want to feel what we were feeling. Or if you started early enough in your life being an addict, you never even had the feelings to know that you didn't like them, you know? (laughs) And so your emotional life is just stunted. I, I really believe, again, I'm saying it's a belief, I don't know if it's true, but I believe that, you know, really, you know, addiction, that is really habitual intoxication, uh, um, cripples your emotional life. And and that it, it, you know, I've heard it said that, you know, when you start using, that's when you stop growing emotionally. So why many of us are basically acting like teenagers.
1: I'm almost 20.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's great. So let's take a little break, and I I would like to suggest that you introduce yourself to someone you don't know, and and, uh, we, uh, everybody here isn't necessarily you know, in AA or in a particular 12-step program, but there's something that drew us all here tonight to be together, so um, meet someone, you know, uh, just connect and uh, enjoy. Uh, you know, connecting, and uh, you can also look at the vast array of products available. <laughs> in the Kevin Griffin global brand. There, and we'll there's will a bell in the. There are CDs
1: before. on the back table, posters, yeah. Yeah. and information about tomorrow night.